My name is Jake. I help lead one of the missional communities here at Missio Mesa. And um, I want to share Psalm 1 with you today. Uh, the Psalms are a book right in the middle of the Bible. Um, and they're a collection of prayer songs. And these were from a time when the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah had not yet come. And uh, the pages of the Psalms sing about Jesus constantly, even though he hadn't come yet. Um, the Psalms are rich, artistic expressions of what it's like to live in community with the Father, but also how to wait for the Messiah, um, how to cry out in anguish, uh, how to celebrate blessing. Very, very rich. Um, Psalm 1 is pretty special because it actually invites us into the rest of the Psalms. Um, and it displays what a life of intimate communion uh, with our Creator can look like. So uh, if you see these funny symbols down here, I'll explain what those are because I see a few people who don't come here every week. Those are actually, that's the entire Bible story. This is pretty fun. You guys ready? You're going to hear the whole, the whole Bible in like 10 seconds. This first one here represents creation, when God created the world good, right, and beautiful, and everything was perfect. And then sin entered the world when Adam and Eve rebelled. But God didn't leave humans and creation in that rebellion, but he promised, made a promise looking forward that he's going to send a savior. And the savior was going to come and bring restoration to the world. So Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died and was resurrected, and promised to come again. And so we're actually right here in the story. Here's the final coming when everything's going to be totally made made perfect, good, right, and beautiful again. So we actually live here, but the Psalms were here. So that's where we're at in the story. That was the whole Bible. We'll do it again later. Don't worry. Uh, so if you guys could read with me in Psalm 1, um, here we go. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You guys pray with me real quick. God, as we experience your word today, draw us into yourself that we might drink of your goodness and find our existence to be in you, through you, and for you. Amen. So notice here how the psalmist actually starts to explain blessed people by first saying what they're not like. The blessed does not walk, stand, or sit with the wicked, sinners, or mockers. There's actually a progression here. Did you guys catch that? It's, it's, it's walking, and then standing, and then sitting. Um, this is the kind of common human experience as we enter into sin. Um, if Sin was uh, food at a restaurant. This is us walking past the restaurant, circling back, reading the menu, and then going in and eating. Or if 
sin was an item on Amazon. This is scrolling past it, coming back, tapping on it, and then buying it. Um, this is how we all move into unfaithfulness. You see it passively, you consider it, and then you join in. Blessing, as Kevin taught us about a month ago, um, is a gift from the Father for us to enjoy, uh, but then also bless others with. Every blessing that comes to us is designed um, to come to us and then through us outward. Uh, the phrase was actually blessed to be a blessing, if that rings a bell. Um, so when blessed, be thankful, enjoy the good gift, but then bless others with it. Uh, and it, it, it's more than just the common, you know, I've got to pay it forward. Uh, this is actually God's design for blessing uh, going all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant when he promised Abram that he would be greatly blessed so that he could bless those, the world around him. Blessing is never intended to stop at you. Um, and blessing takes a lot of different forms, but every blessing you've been given um, has been given to you to bless others with. So if you're healthy and able-bodied, that's to bless others with. Uh, if you have a home, that's to bless others with. Uh, if you have a job, that's to serve other people with. Um, if you have abilities and skills that are unique, those are to bless other people with. Um, and the psalmist here wants to show that when we choose sin and we enter into that space, it throws a wrench in that whole flow of blessing. It prevents us from living into the identity and purpose that God created us for. Um, and so here's, a, here's an extreme just to illustrate the point. What if the global church, Christians around the whole world, decided tomorrow that they were no longer going to be generous with their financial gifts? Like everything, every paycheck, every penny that came into our bank accounts, collectively, all of us, we just kept it, spent it on ourselves. I mean, there'd be huge implications around the world with that. Congregations like this would stop. Uh, people wouldn't be fed. Uh, widows and orphans wouldn't be cared for. I mean, it would, it would have this shockwave. Um, but instead, the church, as it receives, gives. And so it immobilizes mission all over the world. One of the biggest lies uh, we believe in our individualistic society today is that our sin only affects us, only affects ourselves. All right, where's some good news? Uh, read with me verse 2. Uh, Blessed is the one uh, whose delight is in the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So delights and meditates on the law of the Lord. Um, so those groups that we were in a few minutes ago, break back out into those groups and answer this question. What is something that you experienced this past week that you found delightful? So it could have been something you tasted, something you saw, a conversation, an experience you had. Let's just take like two minutes and share those in groups. Ready, go. Did anybody else say like a really good cup of coffee? No, that was, that was my brain went. I was over at the Johnson's yesterday and above their coffee maker, they had like five like gourmet coffee, like bags of coffee. I mean, it was like, this is like the ultimate buffet right here. I mean, it was... Like that's delight in a, on a shelf. Shout out to coffee snobs. Um, if you've ever read the Hebrew law, oh, probably nobody said the Hebrew law was the thing they delighted in this week, right? I'm going to guess that's a no. Um, 
you're probably wondering, if you've ever read that, how do I find delight in the Hebrew law? Um, the book of Leviticus is known to be a bit dry. Um, but the law is actually not just a bunch of rules. This is actually a complete system of living that encompassed uh, government, business, worship, family life, just about every aspect of living. Um, but I, I think oftentimes I read the Hebrew law. I don't oftentimes read the Hebrew law. But if I did, oftentimes, my brain would go like this. Oh, I'm so glad because of Jesus. All of this is now irrelevant to me, and I don't have to pay attention to this. Because uh, there's weird things in there, like I can't mix, mix fabrics, uh, can't get tattoos, uh-oh, um, can't boil a goat in milk. Like, these things don't make sense to me. Um, but the reality is, like, we, so we don't actually know the context of every single Hebrew law. But they were all created with a purpose. And those purposes were to be a display to the nations around them of the wisdom and goodness of God. Um, and here's a verse from, from Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8, um, talking about the law. And this gives you a little bit of an insight as to what the purpose of the law was. Um, so it says, observe them carefully. Those are the, those are the, uh, the law. Uh, For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. It was a display. Who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as the body of laws I'm setting before you today? So the Hebrew law was a system of living, but it was also a display to everyone around them that God was really good and really wise. And he was wiser and better than all of the gods of the other nations around them. Um, it was also a direct challenge to the idols uh, of the other nations. Um, so I think when we see the Hebrew law as actually a system of living, God's prescribed way to go about life, it takes a different light. Uh, but here in Mesa, 2021, if I can go back to the symbols again, so now we're back to here, this is where we live. Um, we're after Jesus has lived, died, and been resurrected. So the law takes a different shape now. Um, so a lot of your translations in Psalm 1 would have said the way of the Lord instead of the law. Um, and so what is the way of the Lord today? Um, I think the biggest thing is to remember our role in the true story, our role in that story. Um, we can define delight in the fact that Jesus has already come. He lived, died, and was resurrected, and he's going to come again. That's a delightful truth. That's good news. We can delight in the presence of the Spirit in our lives as our comforter, healer, guide, and deposit of the coming kingdom. We can delight that the Father loves us and pursues us that we just sang about. We can delight that God invites us into mission, his mission, of redeeming all of creation, including our nation, our cities, our neighborhoods, and our homes. And as we experience delight in the gifts, um, as we did this last week, we could delight um, in that way of the Lord. So verse two again is, it was blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So I don't know about you guys, oftentimes my days are so busy, I don't have a free minute to meditate on anything. 
I'm not meditating on anything longer than like 30 seconds. Um, but to meditate is to sit in something, to mull it over, to chew on it. Right, the Lawrence and House, we use the phrase noodle on it. Got a noodle on something. Uh, if delight is the engagement of the heart, the meditation is the honing in of the mind. And there's a profound battle for your attention being fought today. Um, throughout all of history, according to the internet, uh, the human mind today has to process thousands of times more information than humans even 100 years ago because of the internet and the rate at which we move about the city and we have to, we're constantly going. And we have these little distraction stealers in our pockets at all times. Intentionally setting our mind on the way of the Lord will profoundly change your outlook as you move about your day. So let's go back into those discussion groups one more time. It's the last time, I promise. And answer this question. What are ways we can meditate on the way of the Lord? Ooh, this is tougher than delight. We're going to do two minutes. Ready, go. Anyone have any good ones or anything you were surprised by somebody else said? No? Come on. Help me write the sermon. Yeah, meditating through watercolor painting, right? Who said, yeah. And side note, it's really cool because Chris said, I don't know if you guys caught it, but he's like, I'm really glad there's people here that will come have that idea. He's like, because there's not a bone in my body that ever would have come up with that, right? There's a beautiful thing in the diversity here. We got B. I said Legos. Legos? Can... All right. I'll take, I'll take your word for it. Oh, creating things with Legos helps you reflect on how God creates things. Love that. That's good. That's legit. Anyone else? We got Legos and watercolors. Putting up symbols around the house. Yeah. Um, so if you walk out in the parking lot, you'll see these symbols on half the cars. And if you look around all the water bottles in here, they're on half the water bottles. Um, it's because we, we put these everywhere to remind us that we are a people who live in a bigger story than the story that we're preached all week um, through media and everything else. We're a part of a really big story and we have a role to play in that story. That's important to remember, that's important to meditate on. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, time in the morning, starting the day off right. Yeah, drink coffee, meditate on the way of the Lord, totally. Um, all great stuff. Uh, by honing our hearts and minds uh, on living the way of the Lord, um, recalling our identity as a family of missionary servants, uh, by looking into our history in Jesus, our future in Jesus, um, our lives will reflect the kingdom and those around us get to experience the kingdom. 
Um, there's another thing that we do every week here that actually encompasses both these things, meditation and delight in a beautiful thing, and that's singing worship songs. We just did that, right? Way to go. You guys were all faithful today. Um, but it, remember, the psalms are prayer songs, and we come here to sing. We're delighting, meditating. Um, we're joining, as Kevin said, into thousands of years of history of God's people doing just that. And so the psalms are, well, these, this was the worship book of our spiritual ancestors. And so now we sing some different songs, but it's the same thing. We join it, we're joining in that weekly tradition. It's pretty cool. Verse three, the person who, or the blessed is the one, let's see, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So trees planted by streams. What's a stream? We don't have those in the desert. Uh, we actually, here in the valley, we've actually made our own streams um, called canals. Uh, but I'm going to give you guys a quick history lesson on canals, something you didn't plan on tonight. So uh, that right there is a probably, they're hard to date, but probably a 2,000-year-old canal. That's seven minutes away from here at the Park of the Canals. Highly recommend. You'll get to see beautiful things like that. Um, but what that is was that's actually dug by the Hohokam people who settled here, like I said, 2,000 years ago, and they dug hundreds and hundreds of miles of canals just like that, although some of them were way bigger. They'd be 100 feet wide, some of them, and they'd go like 14 miles. And they dug it without electricity or bulldozers or even metal shovels. They dug it with sticks. Can you imagine? Hundreds of miles. Um, and the, they dug these canals from the Gila and Salt Rivers to bring water to the Valley of the Sun. And that allowed the soil to be farmed. And they got, because they did this, the population of the Hohokam people uh, by the 1400s, they think it was 30 to 60,000 people. I mean, that's a, that's a small city. That's a ton of people that live right here. Um, and then in the Middle Ages, they spontaneously left in mass. They don't know why. Uh, they didn't write that down for us when they left, uh, but they did. And so then a few hundred years later, when the American settlers showed up here, they climbed up South Mountain, looked out, and they said, there's all these canals here. And if we redig these, we could farm this land like people used to. And so Phoenix was named Phoenix because it was something that was dead that came back to life, like the mythical bird that rises from the ashes. Um, it's pretty amazing. And so then uh, SRP, our good buddies over at SRP, paved the actual, a lot of the actual canals with concrete, and that's what brings us water today. So some of the things that bring us water are 2,000 years old. Um, I was talking about, I was really excited about canals. I was talking to David. He's like, you're telling me like as a global superpower, like we have all these like nukes and like the internet, all this stuff, and we're still getting our most basic human need met by 2,000-year-old ditches. I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Next time you drive over a canal, which I think for everybody here will be on their way home tonight, um, remember this, that the canals are the source of life to this land. And the Lord is our source of life. 
He's a source of life where there previously wasn't any, and he flows constantly and feeds us down to our roots. And that flow enables life, uh, but it also gives us the ability to yield fruit. Again, in verse 3, remember the, the trees yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Uh, trees don't grow fruit to nourish themselves. They grow fruit because that's their role in the environment to, and they have a role to play. They reproduce themselves through fruit and they feed animals around them with fruit. That sounds super missional. And trees planted by the streams uh, they don't wither in the heat. The heat comes pretty hard here. Can I get an amen? Um, it, the heat of life comes as seasons do. And you can't do anything about that. It's coming. But the Father says that we can have rest in him. We can have healing in him. We can have comfort during pain in him. Um, the, the faithful are equipped for droughts. The hot days come and the heat's turned up, but we continue to get our nourishment from the well that never runs dry. But look at the contrast the psalmist puts between the blessed person and the wicked. Verse four, he says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. What is chaff? I had to Google it. Chaff is the uh, dead outer shell of a grain plant. Think wheat. Um, and so what they would do is farming, agricultural practices a long time ago. Here's a picture. They would cut the plant down and then wait for a windy day. They'd pile it up and then they'd throw it up in the air like this, like these guys are doing and this woman here. They'd throw up in the air, and then the wind would carry the chaff away, and the grain would fall down that was usable, and they could collect that. Um, there's references in the Bible to the threshing floor. Um, that's where they would do it. So they, this is called threshing wheat, and so the, the, the chaff would blow away. Um, I was thinking, like, well, we're not really farmers here in Mesa. What would be the Mesa equivalent to chaff? And I thought, the urban tumbleweed, the plastic grocery bag. Uh, they're tossed to the wind, right? Like chaff. Um, and fun fact about the Lawrence and House, it's at the end of a street that connects Country Club. And if you, if you didn't stop, you'd run right into our living room. So what happens is literally every day, the wind blows garbage straight down the street. <laughs> Coral's laughing because she does. And there's just like, these blow into our yard like literally every day. Because um, they're tossed away. If you guys want to see an example, drive by my house. Um, plastic bags, chaff, uh, they're aimless. They are taken where the wind goes. Um, they're fruitless. They don't bless or reproduce. Uh, they have no stable roots. Um, they're at the mercy of the circumstances. So coming to a close, if you feel blown around this week, or deeply rooted, if your leaves are withering or you're producing fruit, this is an invite, a very old invite, to be nourished by the Father again. Delighting your heart and meditating your mind on your good, good Father will refresh you to your core. 
in a moment, uh, we're going to come to the table together um, to be nourished and be reminded of who our source of life really is. Um, so we're going to take the elements as Brittany plays a song. We have an opportunity to practice this again. Um, and so hold on to the elements, and then we'll come back at the end of the song, and we will take them together as one family. Missio Mesa, welcome to the table. Thank <laughs> you. 